This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. From foreclosures and mortgage fraud to pressing regulatory initiatives, including amendments to the SAFE Act and more guidance from the Federal Reserve, 2010 was a complicated year for the mortgage space. But what will 2011 hold? How will new regulation and new legislation impact mortgage fraud? And is mortgage fraud expected to continue to be a problem? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with L.T. Lafferty, an attorney who focuses on mortgage fraud for Florida-based law firm Fowler White Boggs. LT, when we last spoke in August, we talked about regulatory initiatives, such as responsibilities of the Federal Reserve in regulating consumer lending practices, and why the greatest challenge is, from your perspective, for banking institutions over the course of the last six months of 2010 into early 2011, was going to fall in the area of regulatory compliance. What updates can you provide us about the current regulatory environment, and do you still think that we're going to face quite a bit of mortgage fraud going into 2011? Yes, I do, Tracy. When we last spoke in August, we were talking about the SAFE Act, and we were anticipating the implementation of the final rule on October 1, 2010. Now, of course, that final rule has gone into effect, and at that time, lenders have to have in policies and procedures regarding the licensure of loan originators within their employment. Uh, now, we're still waiting for those employees to actually have to be registered on the national database, and we expect that to take place in 2011. But from a regulatory perspective, those policies and procedures had to be in place by October 1st. And then from a fraud perspective, unfortunately, we anticipate an increase in fraud in 2011. There's recent reports that indicate that fraud continues to be a problem. It's actually escalated over the last 18 months. And from 2009 through the first half of 2010, there's actually been a 20% increase in the fraud rate. Now, this is a question that we probably don't ask often enough, and that is how exactly do we define mortgage fraud? And has the more stringent regulatory environment helped the industry make headway toward its fight against mortgage fraud? Well, that's the interesting thing, Tracy, about mortgage fraud is that there is no mortgage fraud offense. Unlike securities fraud and health care fraud, the federal code does not specifically criminalize mortgage fraud. What you have instead is a group of different federal offenses that are used effectively, if you will, by prosecutors to prosecute mortgage fraud. And those offenses are anything from conspiracy to bank fraud, mail fraud and wire fraud, and false loan applications. And the increased regulatory environment has had some impact on the mortgage fraud rate. Uh, for example, in that same report we mentioned earlier, the report does indicate that there's been an 8% drop in mortgage fraud related to false income statements on loan applications. And that's a result of the more stringent lending requirements uh, that lenders are enforcing now. Now, we've talked about a, a few reports here, and I'm going to mention a report that was issued in November by housing and financial data firm CoreLogic. According to CoreLogic, mortgage fraud in the U.S. grew during the second quarter of 2010. Mortgage fraud reportedly increased more than 20 percent. Now, according to an FBI report, between 2009 and 2008, mortgage fraud investigations increased 71 percent, and fraudulent loans were worth $14 billion dollars. 
Why does mortgage fraud continue to be a problem from your perspective, LT? Why would this type of fraud continue after the bust of the real estate boom? Well, that's because fraud is all fraud is about hidden opportunities. Uh, fraud isn't going to stop whether it's the boom industry or the bust industry. And a lot of people often ask me whether or not we see more fraud now in an economic depressed environment. And the answer is no. There's fraud all the time. It's just that fraud is going to be perpetrated when different opportunities. And our task is really to identify those hidden opportunities. You know, for example, in the bust market right now, there are several factors that increase the potential or incidence or the opportunity, if you will, for fraud. Uh, during this time, there's great pressure on lenders, builders, and borrowers to maintain economic productivity. So there's this performance incentive, if you will, or this pressure to make some numbers and to make some profit. And at the same time, there's a great increase in the number of unemployed individuals as well as the people that are living in homes that are in default or the homes are in foreclosure. So there's this real estate crisis, if you will. And at the same time, with respect to mortgage lenders, there's a significant decrease in the number of loan originations. At the same time, it's coupled with decreases in home values and home inventories. And this creates a confluence, if you will, of many factors that create additional opportunities for fraud to take place. And what you're going to see is, is that the fraud in 2009 and going forward in 2010 and 11 is going to be focused in these areas. Now, when it comes to the prosecution of mortgage fraud, what challenges do mortgage lenders and financial institutions face? Well, prosecutors have wide discretion to use a variety of different statutes to prosecute fraud, but as one federal prosecutor recently said to me is, there is no common scheme. Mortgage fraud prosecutions are fact-intensive, so in each case, you have to investigate the case and determine what is the offense in that case, and then try to develop the statutes that are best suited for those, uh, those facts. For example, prior to 2009, you couldn't prosecute most mortgage fraud cases under the bank fraud statute because the definition of a financial institution did not include most organizations that were making mortgage loans. Now, that definition, of course, has been expanded now to include any company making a mortgage loan, but that's an example of some problems that prosecutors have had and then, of course, the fact-sensitive problems that they have, but they're actively pursuing these cases. Now, I'm going to go back to talking a little bit more about the bust market that we noted earlier. You've mentioned that mortgage fraud continues to escalate in Florida, where mortgage fraud complaints ranked number one for the fourth consecutive year, according to LexisNexis. What steps are being taken to address fraud in that market, and what unique challenges do you see other markets facing? Well, Florida is in a unique position. I mean, during the boom times, they had one of the greatest real estate booms in Florida since the 1920s, and we know how that ended in the Great Depression. What you had is, is you had a great influx of wealthy people moving to Florida. And there's a Forbes report that came out last year that indicated that the wealthy like Florida. They like the sunshine, and they like the fact that there's less income and estate taxes in Florida. So you have a large influx of people. As a matter of fact, 2007 was the first time since World War II that the number of people moving to Florida actually decreased. So you had an incentive to build more homes. And as long as people were building homes and they were taking out mortgages, you had that real estate boom. 
And then, of course, when it went to the bust, like it did in the Great Depression after the 1920s, you had a large glut of homes on the market, and it just created these additional opportunities for fraud to occur. Now, what you're seeing from a law enforcement perspective is they're still playing catch-up. They're trying to prosecute the cases that occurred, the Ponzi-type cases, the flipping cases that occurred during the real estate boom, and then they're going to be playing catch-up to the fraud that's taking place today. So there's this enhanced pressure on the lenders from a compliance perspective to try to be aware of these fraud schemes and cut down on them today. Now, going back to the core logic report that we noted earlier, the industry is expected to see increased mortgage fraud risk as mortgage fraud has steadily increased over the last 18 months. You note that subprime fraud is behind us, but fraud associated with refinancing and government-sponsored programs increased in 2010. What other emerging fraud schemes in residential and commercial lending should the industry be concerned about? Well, that's a great question, Tracy. I mean, from the FBI's perspective, according to their 2009 report, which was issued in 2010, lenders need to be aware, continue to be aware of loan origination cases, but instead of using the income statements that are false because there's increased verification today, they need to be aware of false documents being used to create that income, as well as false statements relating to liabilities and employment. And the CoreLogic report also verifies that. Although income fraud has dropped by 80%, the CoreLogic report indicates that undisclosed debt is up 9%, false employment statements are up 5%, and occupancy statements are up 3%. And so those are areas of fraud relating to loan originations. And as well as the FBI also indicates that there's an increase of fraud in short sales and foreclosure rescue schemes, both of which are trying to take advantage of the glut of homes on the market in foreclosure and the number of mortgages are in default. And the CoreLogic report also identifies those two areas as, as a great risk area going forward. Uh, and then you also have uh, schemes that the FBI warns about related to buy builder buyouts. And this is where the builders who have a glut of vacant homes or condominiums on the market are offering incentives to people to purchase those homes, and these incentives aren't disclosed to the lenders, and then they fall flat on those promises after the loan is obtained. Uh, and then you have simple problems regarding loan modification. You have a lot of people trying to refinance their homes, and they're making false statements on those refinance applications. So these are all different schemes that you need to be aware of going forward. And identity theft, you've noted before, also plays a role here in some of these things, and that's something that we've been writing about quite a bit, just a, another part that could tether to mortgage fraud, another type of fraud that financial institutions just need to keep their eyes open to. Absolutely. If you don't have the proper credit, income, or employment to obtain a loan or to refinance your property, one of the ways they're obtaining that ability to refinance the property or obtain a loan on a new property is through false documents and false identities. Now, how is law enforcement actively investigating and prosecuting mortgage fraud? Well, that's another great question, Tracy, because we're living in a new era of white-collar crime enforcement, and that's a quote from the uh, deputy, I'm sorry, the assistant attorney general in charge of the criminal division for the Department of Justice, and his remarks indicated that there's great new resources being applied to law enforcement, including new investigators, new prosecutors, and the willingness to use unique law enforcement techniques such as 
wiretaps that have traditionally been reserved for organized crime type cases. And these law enforcement initiatives are being employed in the different white collar contexts, but a lot of it is being employed in the mortgage fraud context. For example, there's an interagency financial fraud task force focusing on financial fraud that was created in 2009, and there's 18 regional mortgage fraud task force that are working with federal, state, and local law enforcement to target individual mortgage fraud cases in each state. For example, here in Florida, that mortgage fraud task force has a hit list, if you will, of mortgage fraud cases that they want to investigate and prosecute. And in closing, LT, I'd like to ask, what steps can financial institutions take to prevent mortgage fraud? Well, and this is the essence of the point here, Tracy, and we mentioned some of them before. The lenders need to be aware of the regulatory requirements, of course. I mean, certainly the final rule went into place on October 1st, and they need to have policies and procedures in place, and they need to make sure that their employees going forward are, are properly registered when they're required to be registered. But from an, also from a vigilance standpoint, one of the best ways that you can cut down on fraud going forward and being the victim of fraud is being aware and vigilant of the different types of fraud schemes that are out there and many of those fraud schemes that we identified here today. We all know that prevention is the best cure. So instead of being a victim of fraud and seeking law enforcement help, it's better to be more vigilant on the front end and try to become, help uh, stop yourself from being victimized in the first place. And that's being more accountable and responsible in the front end and being more vigilant of the different types of fraud schemes that are out there. I'd like to thank you again for your time today, LT. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from LT Lafferty, an attorney who leads the white-collar crimes practice for Fowler White Boggs. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.